Why don't we take a moment and just give God some praise right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for letting us move forward. Thank you for what the Lord will do. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that in the near future, that'll be a, something accomplished. We give you praise. God's so good this morning. He's so good. I appreciate you so much. You may be seated. I'm glad to be here. I thank you, Bishop Jackson. And so wonderful to be invited. Glad to have my wife with me. Doesn't get to travel as much with me anymore. What a privilege to have Monica with me. We celebrated our 40th anniversary a couple of weeks ago. Man, that's... I was really surprised because I, I thought that only happened to old people, you know? And no, I'm, I'm just, uh, I feel like I'm on my honeymoon still. And I love that girl. I do. I do. Nothing like a good godly marriage. So good to see my friend, Brother Lowe. Uh, last time I saw him, we were both young. Praise God. And uh, no, I just, it's good to be here with him. I appreciate the Lord so very much. If you would have asked me about three days ago what I was going to, I knew that God had something special planned today. But if you would have asked me a few days ago, what was I going to preach? I really felt like that uh, I was going to preach a certain thing in the morning and a certain thing in the second service. And then... Yesterday, the Lord began to deal with me differently. And this morning, I just opened up and, and uh, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And I feel to go a whole different direction now than what I thought I was going to do uh, a week ago, etc. But I feel like it's the will of the Lord. And it may not be in the classic vein of preaching as much as Another direction might have been, but I feel like it's the exact place that God would have us to be. There are things that God can do that we cannot imagine. And we mess up sometimes. Can I just be comfortable and wade into this like I'm we mess up sometimes when we try to overanalyze what God can do. Uh, for example, Moses, anybody heard, ever heard of Moses? Moses really messed up royal. He really did. When he tried to do something at age 40, that was the will of God, but God hadn't told him to do it yet. In fact, if you search your Bible, you will not find, to my, I think I'm correct, you will not find that God ever spoke to Moses at all until he was 80 years old. Now Moses was... We know who he was. He was born a Hebrew, saved by a miracle when his mother put him in a little floatable boat in the reeds and rushes where the royal family was known to bathe. Adopted as a royal child into the Egyptian royal family to become a prince and a potential pharaoh, schooled in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, the best education of the world, also weaned on his mother's knee to understand that he was a Hebrew. It's a miraculous story, and at age 40, he was smart enough in his own human intellect to feel that he was positioned for a purpose 
and that God had brought him to the kingdom for such a time as this to deliver his children Israel. And that was the will of God. But Moses did too much thinking on his own. And he misunderstood God's timing. And what Moses did one day when he disguised himself and went out among his brethren is he saw a situation. He saw a Hebrew being smitten, beaten to death, literally, by an Egyptian. And Moses thought, I'm the deliverer that God's going to anoint. And he stepped up and he killed the Egyptian and buried him in the sand. That's what leaders sometimes do. They kill the opposition and then cover up the evidence. And so that's what he did. Next day, he breaks up two Hebrews fighting. And all of a sudden, he realized the words out and he fled for his life. And for 40 years, herded sheep, etc., in another remote area, far from what he thought were the promises of God. Because at age 40, he tried to do by the arm of flesh what he thought God wanted him to do And he did it with a leadership style patterned after Egypt because he had been trained to be a Pharaoh. Pharaoh was a guy throwing babies in the river, remember? And so he tried to do it with a leadership style patterned after the world. And God said, no, I have to reject that. That's not the way I work. And at 80, God appeared to him in a burning bush, spoke to him for the first time, gave him a message, go back and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And what did Moses do? The guy that thought at 40, that's what he was supposed to. At age 80, he started making excuses. I'm slow of speech. I've been gone so long, I no longer speak Hebrew or Egyptian well. He started, and that's where he messed up. You see, when God revealed his will, immediately Moses should have snapped to, snapped to attention and said, yes, sir, I've got my marching orders. I'm going to do it in the name of the Lord. I'll trust you. If he'd have done that, the story might have been different. But what Moses did, he started making excuses, bargaining with God, and he weakened his position immediately. See, Moses had been called and chosen and qualified by now. He'd been herding sheep, learning people skills for the last 40 years. And now that he makes excuses, then all of a sudden God says, okay, I'll tell you what I'll do. You're going to go, but I'll send your brother Aaron with you. He can do your talking for you. You know what, Aaron had never been qualified. Aaron was a, this is not in my notes, this is from my heart. Aaron was a compromiser. In fact, you know, later on when when, uh, Moses is in the presence of God, Aaron's over here building a golden calf from the treasures he brought out of Egypt and from the skills he brought out of Egypt and brought a curse upon the people. And when Miriam, his sister, got upset about the wife Moses had chosen, Aaron, Aaron sided with her and said, oh, yeah, Moses, you're out of order. Can God speak only to you? And it was the frustrations that came through that that brought all kinds of torment to Moses and probably prevented him from going into the promised land. Our first priority is to hear from God. And our second priority is to do that which God said. And not question it, not try to figure it out, and not try to qualify ourselves. Let me give you a little nugget here. If God ever calls you, it'll be greater than you. Something you could never do without God. Something you never have the answers for. 
Now, if you call yourself, it'll be to go exactly where you wanted to go, to exactly what you wanted to do, with exactly who you want to do it with, and you'll have everything you needed to do it with, and it'll be just exactly the situation you always desired, and you couldn't be happier. Then that's when you've called yourself. But when you're over your head, and you don't know what in the world's going to happen except for the promise of God to come through, and you can't do it any other way, then you're probably in the position where God can do it through you and he'll get all the glory. Does that make sense? And so this building advancement, this construction that's necessary in a church this size, it's a small thing for God if you just move forward and let God speak to you and then say, yes, Lord. Whatever God said, don't try to figure it out because while you're trying to reason, can I afford it or not, God's over here. He already has the promotion figured out he was going to give you or he already has the miracle or, or et cetera, et cetera. But when you start talking yourself out of it, all of a sudden you miss out with God. And believe it or not, that fits what I feel in my heart this morning. I want to read some scriptures to you. Matthew 14, chapter 20, verse 22 and it's a beautiful portion of scriptures you're all familiar with. Would you stand in honor of the word of the Lord? Amen. Appreciate you so much. Straightway, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he went, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. Great storm. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It's the Spirit, and they cried out for fear. That's the maritime signal of death when you see something on the water throughout history. But straightway Jesus spoke unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. <laughs> what a ridiculous statement, you know. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he, now, if he had took time to analyze that, he'd have never stepped out. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and called him and said unto him, O thou little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. I want to talk to you a little bit. I want to play with your mind for a little bit, your spirit. And I believe that God today wants to help us step more into the dimension where God can do incredible things if we will walk with him. Heavenly Father, open our hearts. God, open our willingness for revelation from the word of the Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, only you know what lies immediately ahead of individuals and this church collectively. But we do know one thing, God. You never do anything except you first reveal it to your servants, the prophets. And we are here today asking you, O oh God, to anoint lips of clay and ears to receive the word of God that we might grow with it. And Lord, let the result be unto you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you. Some years ago, I was, um, well, I started out, let me say it this way. I started out after college 
working for an additional 12 years. I worked during college, but for an additional 12 years in the engineering field, design engineering. And I spent a lot of years after that working in manufacturing, global manufacturing. So my background, my history included some of those things. I eventually obtained a master's degree in business and my doctorate is in organizational leadership and design. I'm not saying that to bring attention. But that opened some doors to me that were quite phenomenal along the journey. One time I was in, in Wisconsin actually speaking, preaching, and an opportunity arose to go to the University of Wisconsin in Madisonville, and I was privileged to be able to speak at a, a business conference that the university was hosting. And it came up suddenly I wasn't expecting to be asked. And so I said yes, and I did not know that I would be speaking to a, a, a particular audience that all but a handful of them were CEOs of some very lucrative companies. And when I was speaking to them, it was, a, anyway, that was a great experience, but there was a professor there, let me say this. His name was Paul Bakirita. Very unique name, but he was a very unique man. He was a neuroscientist there at the college. He's passed on now. Paul Bakirita was ahead of his time and he was one of those guys that he could say something, and when he would say it, it, it would almost sound um, incredible. Or maybe so far out that you think you heard what he said, but you didn't hear what he said. One of the things that he said was that all senses, see, the five senses, like, you know, we have sight, taste, smell, hearing, touch. The, these senses, what he said was all senses are create, created pretty much equal. Not only equal, but they're pretty much interchangeable. That doesn't make a lot of sense, maybe, or somebody might say, yeah, that's a good statement on the surface. We're human beings, and God made us a very particular way. In fact, most of us have learned from our culture, our history, our learning, our education, our habits. We've learned to walk by our senses. Eve did too, and that's what got her in trouble. When she stood by the tree too long and discovered one day, you know, when she knew that it was good to eat, saw that it was good to eat, you know, and then all of a sudden when she started going by her senses, she let her human senses override the word of God. And so we have to learn to cross the divide to where it doesn't matter what it looks like or what it feels like or what we've heard, etc. We have to begin to step across a barrier to where the, what really matters first and foremost is what saith the word of the Lord. Because the word of the Lord will contradict human wisdom. Does that make sense? And so Paul Macarita, he said that. And, and, but he didn't just say that. He began to put legs on it with research and things. And one of the things he did was quite amazing. Paul Macarita took that and advanced his theory to the place that one day he, he began to understand that blindness was more than what we think it is. See, most of us think that, that we see with our eyes. You think you're seeing right now with your eyes, and, and the revelation for the moment is, no, you're not. Your eyes are only sensory uh, perceptors, and they're picking up signals that come in 
to, to the eye. And the eye picks up those signals and then it begins to convert those signals into electrochemical impulses that go through a series of, of different translations and go into your brain. And so what you're seeing right now is not really what your eyes are seeing. It's only signals that your eyes are picking up that are extinguished and converted and go through a complex uh, number of changes until it gets into your brain. So what you're seeing right now is the brain's interpretation of the signals coming into your eyes. In fact, the brain will fill in the blanks. It does. And so... And thank God for sight. We praise God for sight. But Paul Bakirita said, well, since eyes are only sensory perceptors and, and the brain has the ability to rewire itself and find new neural pathways, then perhaps they can learn to see other, we can learn to see other ways if people are blind. So he invented some technology uh, for a blind student that was in his class uh, uh, that had no ability to see and he put a little camera on her forehead and the camera, uh, you know, picking up him as the instructor went into his laptop computer and changed into a, a certain pixel signal, and and uh, and and then it translated from the computer through a cord to a grid attached to her tongue, and it sent a signal to her tongue that mimicked the kind of signal that comes in through the eyes. And so this particular student was the first blind person that could see, but she wasn't seeing. She could see her instructor, but she wasn't seeing through her eyes because she could not, but she was seeing through a signal that came through her tongue and her tongue then sent the signal to her brain and the brain intuited the same way the eye would have intuited it. Am I making sense? And so a blind person was able to see because the brain couldn't tell where the signal was coming from. That's amazing. He developed night vision technology that way for U.S. Navy SEALs that in absolute blackout could see, not with their natural eyes, but with a grid attached to the tongue that went through a computer on their body so that they could see through a different sensory perception. He developed uh, he developed technology for astronauts in outer space that could, on their, their heavy gloves they have to wear in that environment to work on sensitive equipment outside the space shuttle, etc. He developed uh, sensory perceptors that picked up the signal that went to a computer in the spacesuit that went to a grid on the tongue and they could reach over and feel something with their glove and it felt like the natural touch of a hand and it completely catapulted the way that they were able to work on technology in outer space. And the reason that I'm saying that is, is that some of us have gotten so used to the way that we pick up our signals and operate in life and go through our situations that we fail to understand that now, having been born again and entered into a spiritual relationship with God, like I mentioned this morning in the early service, now that we have access to the invisible, if we could learn to walk by faith, in other words, the realm of the spirit and the word of God and not so much by sight, amen, then it opens up a whole new realm of possibility. It's not as important what I see. It's 
is it is important as what God sees. It doesn't matter what they said. What really matters is what does God have to say about it? If God said I can walk on the water, if I won't slow down long enough to think about it, if I think about it, I'm not going to do it. I won't even step out of the boat. But Peter heard the voice of the Lord come, and he stepped out of the boat, and he walked on the water. I'm here today to talk about a God that is not limited by what we in the natural realm are. Amen. He's an infinite God. He is unlimited in what he can do. If we can only understand the God that wants to do things in this church, is able to speak in ways he's never spoke before, if we could just open the gateway and allow God to that make any sense at all. Praise God. I mean, what if God told Moses, Noah to build a ship? I'm so far off my notes, I probably won't get there, so I might as well not worry about it. He's going to walk in the Holy Ghost today. God told Noah to build a ship. What if Noah would have wanted every detail? Now, God, I'm going to grow a tree in the third year that I'm going to cut down in the 43rd year, and I'm going to cut a beam with it so it's going to connect to a tree that I'm going to plant in the 18th year that I'm going to cut down in the 74th year, and I'm going to notch them together, so, and I've got to keep them stored so that they don't rot. What if you'd have tried to figure out those kind of details? But he began to put his face forward and walk toward the vision and the word that God gave him. And little by little along the way, God provided every situation. I'm here today to tell you that God's got plans for this church and God's got plans for you that would blow your mind. It would defy human imagination. But our God is able and our God is ready and our God is willing. Give your hand clap to the Lord. <laughs> Oh, Jesus, Jesus. Every one of us have something in common. There's a a gateway to our mind and every one of us have it. And I'm not gonna get technical with this, but it's called the reticular activating system. It's in your brain. It's a complex series of nerves and nerve endings. And let me summarize it this way. The RAS in you is picking up right now so much more than you're aware of. I mean, uh, well, let me tell you how much it's picking up. As you are sitting there as an average human being, your reticular activating system is picking up four, now this is true, you can research it yourself, 400 billion bits of information per second. That's what's going through that reticular activation. And, 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 and what your brain does is it picks it up and it's getting every bit of that, but a certain amount of it, a tiny amount, goes into the conscious brain that you can understand. The vast majority goes into the non-conscious brain that you don't. And, and when you add it all up, that's right now what it's telling you if you're hot, it's telling you if you're cold, if you're uncomfortable, it's telling you everything else that you need to know. It's regulating your blood pressure and all manner of, of other stuff. But here's the, here's the neat thing about it. For every 400 billion bits that's going through there right now, and that's a natural fact according to scientists, you can only intuit 2,000 bits. 
2,000 out of 400 billion. That means for every one bit, a bit is like a, a digit, like an A or a B or a one or a two or three. A digit, for every one digit that you pick up, you are missing 200 million. You're only aware of a tiny portion of what's going on around you. And how does your brain determine which 2,000 out of 400 billion to pick up. It's programmed by your, by your life, your lifestyle, your thinking, and it begins to pick up the things that are important to you. You begin to program it. This is what's important to me. So out of 400 billion per second, your brain is actually able to pick up the things that are, and you've determined are important to you. That's what happens when there's other factors play into it, but when a mother is standing outside of a daycare center and she's got her child in there playing with 40 other children and she's standing there talking to a group of children and all of a sudden while they're talking and having a good time and all this laughter and kids playing going on in here, then all of a sudden a little child screams, that one mother will shift into gear. That's my child. Because you've conditioned yourself, that's important to me. And so it's able to filter out. Or you're standing on the side of a curb talking to Brother Lowe. I'm not paying attention. I start to step off the street corner and a bus is is racing by. I don't even see it, but I pick it up and I jump back just in time to be spared because I've conditioned myself that survival is important. All of that begins with this RAS. God made us that way. And so we live a life aware of very few things, of many things that go on around us. But if we come to God and we're born again of his spirit, all of a sudden God connects us with the spirit of God that is all places, all times. He's omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent. He's everywhere, knows everything. And all of a sudden now I come in contact with a God that knows everything about everybody, past, present, future. He knows people in China. He knows people in San Antonio. He can speak to me about anything. And if I can understand that God is trying to make me acutely aware of the spirit and the presence of God in my life, all of a sudden it opens up a whole new realm of possibility with the Lord. Is that making any sense at all? Okay, for example, uh, normally when I preach, sometimes if I testify, which I like to do, I will normally give a pastor's name. And the reason is, you can check me out because we have a a lot of unbelief in society nowadays. And I was speaking for Jeff Arnold in Gainesville, Florida. And Brother Arnold uh, and I have a good connection. And right before, about 10 minutes before I finished preaching, an elderly gentleman was moved by his faith. And he come to the front and he got right in front of the, in front of the pulpit, there's a communion table. And he got right in front of the communion table and he had walked up there with a walker. And he walks up. And he begins to raise his hand and praise the Lord. I'm still preaching. He didn't interrupt me. He moved when the Spirit of God moved on him. I'd see him raise his hand. I would hear him praising. I kept on preaching. God performed an incredible miracle on a lady that had not been out of her house but a couple of times in 10 years. He healed her lungs right over there in the pew. First time she'd ever come to an apostolic church. She runs up breathing to testify and tells us this incredible story and she's crying. And then this elderly man said, may I testify? 
So pastor said, yes, I gave him the microphone. And this man, who I had never met before, this man says, Brother Childs, everyone here knows I'm dying of malignant prostate cancer. I'm 78 years old. And he said, when I was told that I had malignant prostate cancer, I prayed about it. And the Lord spoke to me and said, my son, this is not unto death. I didn't know he was a retired pastor. He said, but ever since that time, my cancer's gotten worse. My prognosis is worse, and it is literally killing me. And he said, until 10 minutes ago, I did what I've never done before. He said, in the middle of your preaching, I walked up here, and I began to praise God that this was not unto death, that God is my healer, and that his word is true. And I began to praise him for my cancer, that my cancer is an opportunity to glorify God that he would get all the praise, that it's not about me. And when I began to pray, he said, I would lift my hand and praise the Lord. He said, I have a three-pound malignant prostate tumor that bulges out of my body. If I put my hand on it, I can feel the entire shape of the tumor. And he said, so 10 minutes ago, I began to praise God. I would put my hand down, and every time I did, the tumor felt smaller. And he said, now I'm testifying, I feel no tumor in my body. That, that goes against imagination. That, that goes against human reasoning. Well, we praise the Lord. I flew home on Monday and Jeff Arnold called me on Thursday morning and Jeff Arnold said, praise God, Brother Childs. Are you ready for a testimony? I said, yes. He reminded me of that man. I said, yes, I remember him. He told me he was a 78-year-old retired pastor. I said, what's the story? He said he went to his normally scheduled oncologist appointment on Tuesday and the doctor did all kinds of tests. He said, I am looking right now at the official doctor's report. You have no cancer answer in your body. When did it happen? It happened when he stepped out of the realm of human thinking and began to give God praise. If we could begin to operate like that even today as a church, what are the promises of God and what does God have to say about it? It changes it. The evidence is not what matters, but what matters is what does God have to say about it? What glory will it bring to the Lord? Hallelujah. Somebody give God a praise because faith is rising in this house today. Yeah. You know, they came to the Lord, Pastor, one time, and uh, they brought him a man born blind. Whose fault is this? Now, we've got to blame somebody. That's what people do. Have to blame somebody. Did he do it or his mom and dad? Who did it? You know what Jesus said? I'm paraphrasing. He said, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you don't understand the way God works. Neither this man nor his parents or at fault here. This is that the works of God might be made manifest. And when you begin to see it through a whole different eye, hey, this isn't because I did anything wrong. This isn't because God hates me. He didn't give me this because he's punishing me. This is so that he can get all the glory when I step on the other side and God begins to do the incredible. Somebody clap your hands. There is nothing impossible for that kind of a God. So, the moment that that man said, I 
don't feel the tumor anymore. The church just erupted. There were healings and miracles took place in mass all over that building. People began to testify. Amazing things spontaneously. And then came a man to the platform that was probably six foot two or three, tall, distinguished looking, light gray suit, handsome man. And he walks up and he's clutching a white handkerchief in his hands and he's crying like a baby, shaking. And he walks up, he's a dignified man. He walks up to Pastor Arnold and myself and he says, I'd rather not testify because I told the people, if God does something, you owe him a praise because it builds other people's faith. He said, rather not testify, he said, because nobody here knows me except my wife. We live in another state. We're on vacation. We only stopped here tonight hoping we might hear Brother Arnold preach. He said, Brother Charles, he said, when that elderly gentleman came to the front, I didn't know who he was. But he said, something began to go out of me. And he said, I began to pray for that man. And he said, just like a burden came on me, and I began to pray for him. And when he testified that he no longer felt the tumor on his body, he said, man, something just fluttered over me. And I began to praise God. God, thank you that you have such a use for a man of that age that you would, that you would touch him like that. And he said, I was just so blown away by how easily that happened. And he said, man, I began to praise God for what he had done. And, and he said, all of a sudden, he said, the Holy Ghost spoke to me. and said, when's the last time you praised me for your healthy body? And he said, oh, God, forgive me. I'm 60 years old. I'm in perfect health. I've never been sick. I don't have any diseases. And I fail to praise you enough, God. I'm so sorry. I haven't even thought. He said, while I am praising God for a perfectly healthy 60-year-old body, he said that same voice spoke to him again and said, how do you know that you have a healthy body? And he said, I thought, oh, my God. Oh, God, forgive me. I don't even know my own self. Lord, if I've got any problem at all, I ask you to forgive me, Lord. Amen. And God, you can take care of it. You can heal me. He said, as I'm praising God like that now, he said, all of a sudden, I began to get sick. He said, I never get sick. I was so surprised. He said, something come up in my system, and I know I'm about to get sick. And he said, I panicked. He said, the only thing I knew to do was I reached in my pocket, and I pulled out a white handkerchief. And, and he said, I couldn't get out of the pew. I was trapped by people. I'm about to embarrass myself in the church. And he said, man, I, I just it, got, it came up and up. And he said, finally, what was in my throat came out and I spit everything into my handkerchief. And he said, man, and when I came up, I looked. And he said, I began to shake. He walked to the platform. He opened up that handkerchief. There was a full-grown tumor in that handkerchief. He didn't even know he had. But it came up when he began to praise God that God knew things he didn't know. What if we today stepped across and said, God, you know what I don't know. And you're God where I don't even understand. And God, what if you and I got together today and I let you be God? Can somebody praise the Lord? Do you know that there's situations in this building right now that are not as big as the God we serve and somebody could be delivered, healed, set free today. Jesus, yay, give God praise for the Lord inhabits the praises of his children. Woo! 
I feel that shout is okay. Praise is all right. He is worthy of our praises. We are in the midst of creating an atmosphere for the miraculous right now. Glory, glory. In the name of Jesus Christ, let healing come into this sanctuary. Let somebody pick up a word from God in their spirit and respond accordingly.